this week you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump, or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it eight 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 money pit. The money pit is presented by Omaha Steaks, Dice Coatings, and Owens Corning. Now here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Happy to be here to help you with projects you'd like to get done around your house. So if you've got one and maybe you need some advice to get to the next stage, maybe you started it and ran into a little snafu, maybe you're just thinking about doing a project but don't know where to begin, give us a call at one eight 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 money pit or post your questions to moneypit.com slash ask because that's what we do. That's what we've done for many, many years, and we're looking forward to hearing your questions and your calls today. So reach out. Coming up on today's show, if you guys love to have a backyard swimming spot and this is the year you're finally going to do something about it, we're going to share a very cool alternative to traditional chlorine pools. We've got the scoop on natural in-ground pools that are just like ponds. They're gorgeous, but they're very earth-friendly. And also ahead, how'd you like to get $1,200 from the federal government to help you with some home improvements? Well, you can if that improvement is insulation. We're going to share what you need to do to cash in on some serious savings just ahead. And if you're looking for flooring for a small room, we're going to share a simple trick of the trade that can make small rooms look spacious. All right, but first, guys, from bathrooms to basements and demolition to decor, we're here to help you tackle your to-dos with confidence. So help yourself first by reaching out with your home improvement question. And you can do that by calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit, or the easy way and the fastest way to get a response is to go to moneypit.com slash ask, click the blue microphone button, and record your question right there. It'll come right to us, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Heading out to Arkansas, we've got Kevin on the line. What's going on at your Money Pit? Well, I bought this house. It's a, a small house, real small, um, and I'm doing a total renovation in it. When I pulled out the original one-piece tub shower, I found behind the wall there a, a square opening in the concrete slab through which the the water pipes were coming into the, to the home and then obviously feeding the shower and the rest of the bathroom kitchen, which is on the other side of that wall. Anyway, uh, we've had tons of rain this year, and I noticed that when it rained, I get water in that in the bottom of that opening there. Uh, Groundwater would come up, and so uh, it seemed. I mean, so it's obviously through the concrete into the subsoil, and there's access there for water to and moisture to come into the house. So I can tell you this: because this is consistent with rainfall, this is not groundwater coming up, so to speak. It's it's more like a drainage issue. What I would encourage you to do is this: the next time you get you know, really good rainfall, and you know it's raining cats and dogs out there, and it's no thunder and lightning. Where you can safely go outside with an umbrella, and just look at what's happening with the drainage around the foundation perimeter of your house. Because I can guarantee you that somewhere water is doing more collecting and ponding than running away. Typically, you want to make sure that all the soil slopes away, that the downspouts are extended farther than they normally are. Usually they're extended into a little splash block. But when you have a water issue like this, you want to extend them about four or five feet. And what we found is that if you can move water away from a space like that, you won't have this water that's collecting in this easy access point into your house. 
it's not the right approach to sort of seal off these points as much as it is to stop the water from getting there in the first place. And based on doing this for many, many years, I can tell you that, that these issues that are consistent with rainfall are absolutely not a rising groundwater table. They're just a drainage issue. And you just got to figure out where that's happening and why it's happening, and the problem will sit, will fix itself once you correct that. Okay, so it is pooling directly outside the the house and that location. I uh, haven't done gutters or downspouts yet, so that's part of the mitigation process. Okay, so you have you have no gutters and downspouts? Correct. That's going to make a world of difference. That's the first thing you should do. And remember, when you bring those downspouts out, you want to extend them you know, four or five feet away from the house. I think you'll see an immediate change. Excellent. That's encouraging. I appreciate it. You got it, Kevin. Right by. Now we've got Dana on the line who's got a question about window glazing. What's going on? I have a number of fixed pane picture windows in my home that the glazing is kind of pulling out of. It's not the kind of old school glazing that gets hard and chips off, but it's kind of like a little bit sticky and soft and it's just coming out of, uh, and so I'm wondering how I can fix this without having to actually take the window out. I could probably take the trim off on the exterior fairly easily, but um, some of these are quite large and I really don't want to mess with taking out the interior trim. So Dana, you're on the right track here. The glazing that you're talking about is actually what's known as wet glazing. And wet glazing is the glazing that's between the fixed pane window. So that's all a sealed window unit, right? And then the, the frame that it's contained within, which in your case sounds like it's wood. And it seems to me like the, the original manufactured wet glazing that was in there is starting to deteriorate and fall out as you've described it. So I would do kind of what you're suggesting in the sense that I would take off the trim to get to the side of that, to get to the, be able to see all of that. I'd pull out anything that's loose or deteriorated and easily comes out and then simply replace that with a silicone caulk. A good quality silicone caulk can take the place of that old wet glazing. And here's a little trick of the trade. You want to try to get that filled up as much as you can. If you wet your hand or wet your finger or use something like a little bit of window cleaning solution on the tips of your fingers, it will slide over that glazing, over that caulk, and leave a nice, perfect bead in its place. Usually you can't do, you can do this with uh, latex, but when it's silicone, you can't. That's why you got to wet your hand first and use my favorite trowel, which are my fingers, to like <laughs> sort of smooth it in there and, and have it lay in nice and tight. So it's a project, so I would try to do everything you know exists in one, you know, one attempt, and this way you'll have some number of years before perhaps uh, any additional glazing starts to separate. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right, and according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. 
And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Hey, Money Pit Podcast fans, you want to help us out? Well, go ahead and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we're going to give you a virtual high five. Plus, you'll be helping us spread the word about our show. Just go to moneypit.com slash review. Well, Father's Day is coming up. It's always nice to celebrate the dads and the dad figures in your life. And if those guys like steak, there is a great deal happening right now on omahasteaks.com. You can score $30 off of your qualifying order by using the promo code MONEYPIT. Absolutely. I am so psyched that they gave us a promo code for Father's Day because... You can't shop for yourself, Tom. Oh, come on. Why not? <laughs> All right, I'll allow I it. Mean, it's really good. I love those tasty bacon-wrapped filet mignons. Those are just delish, and really any of their gourmet grillables. And if you order from omahasteaks.com, you can get $30 off with the simple promo code MONEYPIT. So why not? Check out omahasteaks.com, pick out a scrumptious dish for dad, and use the promo code MONEYPIT to save 30 bucks. Heading out to sunny California, where we've got Joseph on the line, who had an experience with solar panels. What's going on? So, uh, a couple things. Um, when they first installed it, they uh, promised us that it was supposed to cut our bill down to nothing, um, and that did not happen. We're now paying um, the uh, for the solar panels, which is about $300 a month, and it's going to be a balloon loan that goes up to almost $400 a month. And now we're getting to the end of um, to where we have to true up, and we're having the highest bill we ever had. Oh my Not God. to mention the fact that at one point the sol- the they when they 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 hooked these up our our electrical box caught on fire. Oh boy! So granted, they came and they fixed that, and they made it to where we were operating again. But it's just it's not operating to what they to what they said that that it that it would. And we're 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 talking with them, but like they're kind of like beating around the bush that like oh well it's producing seven thousand uh, you know whatever you know. And um, that it's doing its job, but but we had an existing system, and uh, like I, I can't tell if it's their system that's doing it or our system that's doing it, you know. So it's like right. it's just we're in a rock and a hard spot trying to pay for this now and, uh, and trying to find a way to um, uh, afford this new true up. Wow, you know, I'm so sorry to hear that, and unfortunately, it's not unusual. You know, folks ask us all the time about solar, and they talk to us about experiences they have with the promises that are made by solar companies and the salesmen, or I presume are all highly commissioned. And we've got a lot of issues with this. I mean, one of which is what you just said. You know, you got a lease or a loan to pay for the panels, and that loan's going to continue. And if you go to sell this house, you're going to have to pay off that loan, for one thing. Secondly, right now, there's a big increase in battery technology that's going to eliminate the need for a good number of the panels that they probably size the house for. You know, once the battery technology catches up, which it's doing at a very rapid pace, we'll be able to have fewer solar panels because those panels will feed a bank of batteries that can sustain the house for quite a long period of time. So you simply don't need to have the number of panels that you have right now. 
My only suggestion for you is that if they made representations on performance in the contracts that you signed and they're not delivering on that, then I think you have a claim. But unfortunately, this is one that you're going to probably have to pursue with an attorney because, um, you know, they're not clearly owning up to it. And, and I've found, and I don't know anything about this company, but I've found that the representations that they make are pretty disingenuous and just plain inaccurate to get you to sign that dotted line and, and buy these expensive panels and then suffer the consequences for years and years. Well, yeah, because we, we actually almost backed out of it um, right before they did it because they gave us this contract saying it was going to produce 7,000 kilowatt hours or whatever. And um, and we were like, no, 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 we saw that last year we produced much more than that. And then so they gave us a call back and they were like, yeah, but what you're not understanding is is that we're also putting two Tesla batteries. So those Tesla batteries are going to offset that 7,000 and it's going to make that 7,000 be like a lot more, and that's not the case. So, like, we are barely producing over 7,000, and that's just – and it, it looks like that's between theirs and my existing one that I already had. So it's like they – I mean, in my mind, I would think that they can't take credit for what – what our panels that we already had right, you already are had. already doing, right? <laughs> right. So it's like, the, it, you yeah. know, but they're saying, oh, well, it's working properly, and you know, and but they verbally told us, which I, obviously that's not going to hold up anywhere, that we would have little to no bill every single month, and that is not the case. You're going to probably have to get an independent expert to look at that system and, and do a report that explains exactly what they did and what they didn't do and what you're generating and what they're not generating okay. part of this. But I, I would definitely pursue this because these guys have to be stopped. It's just ridiculous, and you're not alone. All right. Well, thank you. All right, Joe. Sorry to hear that happen. Well, there's a new trend in alternative swimming pools, and it's not the saltwater pool either. It's called a natural swimming pool, and it's kind of a high-end pond in your backyard. Now, rather than chlorine, these pools use living ecosystems to actually clean the water and keep it healthy for swimming. It's sustainable, it's eco-friendly, and it's very popular in Europe, where this whole trend sort of originated about 30 years ago. Yeah, and here's how they work. Now, a natural swimming pool is actually made up of two separate but adjoining sections, and the water sort of circulates between them. Now, the first is the swimming area, and the second is known as the regeneration zone, which is essentially a shallow water garden. Now, in that water garden, you have aquatic plants that are rooted in a substrate, and they act as a biological filter by removing bacteria and contaminants from the water and taking in nutrients. Now, what that does is deprives algae, which we see all too common in natural pools, of what it actually needs to flourish. So it's sort of a natural algae-free solution. Yeah, and I mean, they really are gorgeous. And done right, you can make them look so natural, so beautiful. And the shape and design, I mean, really, that's up to the homeowner. That pool can be organically curved. It can feel and look like a real pond. Or you can make it, like, rectangular like a traditional swimming pool. It's just that the regeneration zone, that needs to be equal in area to that swimming zone for proper filtration. So you've got to kind of figure out the space that you're going to need when you're planning that design phase. Now, the initial construction costs are pretty much the same as a regular swimming pool, but the maintenance costs can be hundreds of dollars lower because you have no chemicals to buy and there's very little electricity used. So I think it's a great way to have a beautiful water garden and a swimming pool all at the same time that ends up being a lot less to maintain than a traditional swimming pool. Tracy in Florida is on the line and has taken the chance with some crown molding. Are you doing this yourself? What's going on? So I wanted to install crown molding. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not handy at all. Um, and um, I was looking into 
uh, how to install it, and I saw um, that you could install the um, the high density styrofoam, like the poly. I forget what it's called. Poly. Mm-hmm. The foam trim. Yes. Yes, and um, it got good reviews, and it looks kind of like real, and it's easier to install. I just don't know if it's a good good thing to do. Yeah, I think so. You know, crown molding, from a carpentry perspective, to put crown molding in is one of the most difficult carpentry jobs because you have to cut a compound miter to do that. And you also have to cope it, which means you kind of make one piece of the molding is sort of plain. The second one has this compound miter. Then you have to handsaw part of the wood out of the way. It's very complicated for a do-it-yourselfer. And that's why these foam moldings have been such a boom to DIYers because, as you say, they're very easy to install. They make the system easy to cut, and all you need is caulk. You know, you pretty much use an adhesive caulk to hold it in place. You might put a couple of nails in just to sort of tack it while it dries. And as long as you wanted to do a painted crown molding, it really makes a lot of sense because it's indistinguishable from, you know, wood molding that you would paint, right? It's just foam molding, and you could paint right over that. So if you wanted wood molding where you saw the grain, then you'd have to do it with traditional wood crown molding. But if you just want a painted crown molding, yeah, the foam is definitely the way to go. Oh, great. So that's something you feel uh, a newbie like me yep, could exactly, probably handle. Yeah. Yeah, just make sure you review. You're probably going to need a, a few basic tools, like a very simple miter box with a back saw attached to it so you can make nice, square, clean cuts. But that is not very expensive when you buy a very simple one, okay? Okay. And you know, the other thing, too, if you have any mistakes and you like you, you, there's a little gap here and there, just caulk the gap and then paint over the caulk. And it'll hide all your sins. Oh, great. That's what I need. <laughs> all right. Just use latex caulk and make sure you have a proper caulk Trowel, you know what that is? Your fingers. You got five of them on each hand. Okay, <laughs> I got Smooth that. Smooth it in there; it'll look great. Okay, all right. Take care. Good luck with that project, Tracy. Thank you so much. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. 
That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. All right, now we've got Daryl from New Jersey on the line who's got a question about a porch. What's going on? Um, we have, so this house has a wraparound porch, and I'm redoing the porch because a lot of it's rotted. Uh, it's probably about three feet off the ground. Do I need to uh, add in any kind of vapor barrier underneath the porch? You don't have to add a vapor barrier under a porch. You have to. You, it's wise to put a vapor barrier in a crawl space, but under a porch, it's usually wide open anyway. And mm-hmm. I don't know how you're going to finish off the outside, but if you're going to use lattice or skirting. Yeah, lattice. You know, when it comes to lattice, if you purchase a wood lattice, that can be very time-consuming to maintain. There's a product out that's fairly new by Trex. Their website is Trex Lattice Works plural, trexlatticeworks.com. And what's cool about this stuff is it's absolutely gorgeous, and it's made of composite, which means it's never going to need to be painted. It comes in white and black. It comes in the sort of standard checkerboard look and also has some different patterns. And if I was redoing my porch today, that's what I would use because that lattice is a tough area to have to maintain because it's you know close to the ground and because it's damp down there. So I think composite's a really good choice for that, and it would be worth uh, investing in a product like that. Great. Thank you so much. Love your show. Really appreciate the help. So I was checking the email inbox, Leslie, and you got an email. I did. You did. It's actually pretty interesting. It says, Leslie, you're the best. I remember meeting you on a plane from Charlotte, and I was shocked how much you knew about home improvement. Woo-hoo. Yes, I judged you, unfortunately, because you were a female, and I paid the price with you <laughs> schooling me on the trade. Bravo to your show. Amazing. Anthony from Merrick, New York, sent that. Of course it's a fellow Long Islander. You know <laughs> yeah. we're tough on each other. <laughs> I forgive you, Anthony. It's cool. I think that's fantastic. Kay from South Carolina is on the line joining us and needs some help renovating an older home. Tell us about it. We have a property that um, in the neighborhood it's going through a regentrification. The home hasn't been lived in in over seven years. And I'm trying to troubleshoot what will it take to get that house back up and, and running. Okay. Um, what, what steps do I need to, check to, to take to start to evaluate where my costs are going to be? So you say nobody's in it now. Have the utilities been on, or has it been completely vacant with no utilities? Completely vacant, no utilities. There's a number of things that you want to do with a house at this stage. Uh, the first thing I might consider doing to kind of give you uh, just um, a good overall sense as to what it's going to take is to hire a professional home inspector to do an inspection of that home and explain that you're trying to identify what kinds of, of work it's going to need so that you could either remodel it yourself or, or sell it or, or whatever your intentions are for this Can you place. do that at this point, Tom, with none of the utilities on? Yeah, that's a good point. It's it's going to be challenging because part of the issue is going to be, you know, utilities are off. Do we know if it was prop- all the pipes were properly drained before that happened or we can have big surprises when the water's turned back on or the gas is turned back on. So, yes, the inspector is not going to be able to tell you everything, but considering that this house has been vacant for so long, I think you might be able to get a good sense as to where you're going in terms of next steps and identify what the biggest projects are. And then, you know, once you kind of know where you're going with that, you could consider hiring 
an architect to help you plan the renovation, if it needs a lot of work, I would recommend that because an architect can look big picture and make sure that, um, you know, whatever you're going to do to that is going to be consistent with whatever budget you want to put out for it. And, and then also, of course, you need to have a sense as to what the value is so you can make that cost, uh, analysis in terms of whether it's, it's worthy of putting in whatever, however number of dollars, you know, you have to put in there to kind of fix this place up. But just to kind of get you started, since so you don't really have a baseline here, I think it would be well worth the three or four hundred dollars to hire a professional home inspector, I would recommend that you go to the website for the American Society of Home Inspectors. Uh, that is homeinspector.org is their website. And those guys, um, if they're certified members of ASHI is the acronym, the American Society of Home Inspectors, that's going to be sort of the cream of the crop, the better inspectors in your area. You can enter a zip code and get presented with a list of inspectors. And you can call and speak with them and find one that you feel like you can connect with that can address this issue. But then you'll have a much better better idea of what you're getting involved with here. You won't know it all, but I think you'll be much farther along. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Well, did you know that the government has a program that will refund you up to $1,200 in the form of federal tax credit when you tackle an insulation project? Now, according to the experts at Owens Corning, 90% of U.S. homes are under-insulated. So this is a project that you need and a way to keep both your home and your wallet cozy. Yeah. Now, the way it works is this. If you make certain energy-saving upgrades to your home, like adding insulation, you can qualify for a federal tax credit from the government. And that means you can save money on your taxes while also saving money on your energy bills. Now, there's a good reason that you should be tackling this project. First of all, adding insulation gives you a 117% return on your remodeling investment, which is actually the highest ROI for any weatherization project. Now, not only that, upgrading your home's insulation can also help you stay comfortable all year round. It actually keeps your home warm in the winter, but it also keeps your home cool in the summer, so you can kick back and relax and save no matter the weather. Now, I just completed a big insulation project about a year ago now. I was insulating the floor of my 130-year-old home. And I got to tell you, it made a huge difference that first winter. Older homes can be quirky at the least when it comes to exposing what's underneath floors or walls. But I used the Owens Corning Thermofiber Fire and Sound Guard Plus. It was easy to install, and it made the chilly floors a heck of a lot more comfortable and it was also fire and moisture resistant. So I got to say, it really went smoothly as a project, and we definitely felt a difference right away. Yeah, I mean, it really is amazing what, you know, essentially boils down to a simple improvement can make such a huge difference. Now, if you're looking to add fiberglass insulation, you need to check out the new pink next-gen fiberglass insulation. Now, that also uses an advanced fiber technology that creates a soft blanket of insulating micro pockets that's really easy to install because it's no longer itchy like traditional old fiberglass used to be. And the best part is that by doing a project like that, the tax rebates could cover a significant portion of the costs. I mean, we're talking up to $1,200 per year. Yep. So if you're looking to make your home more energy efficient and you want to save some cash in the process, that federal insulation tax credit might be just the ticket. You'll find both the Owens Corning Thermofiber and the pink next-gen fiberglass insulation at Lowe's and Lowe's.com. All right. Now we've got Paul coming up to the money pit. What is going on at your house and how can we help? Uh, I just bought a house that's um, about 110 years old, um, and it's it's cedar shingles on the outside, uh, and it probably hasn't been painted in in at least 20 years. So we're repainting the house, and um, I started working on I didn't know 
how much of the paint should be removed. Um, seeing different things online, and I didn't know how much work to put in before we repaint it. So, first of all, congratulations. Um, for Leslie and I, that's a baby. We have older <laughs> houses. <laughs> Still a younger one. But actually, I have cedar shingles, and they've been on the house for, um, well, we went through, at one point, we took off three layers of siding. I mean, the house is 130-something years old now. And uh, and we restored the cedar shingles over 40 years ago. And since then, it's gone through, I think, only two paint jobs. So the paint for us has been lasting a long time. And, and here's why. What we do is... When we first of all, we don't use paint; we use stain. If your house was already painted one rather than stained, you know the difference is the paint sort of sits on top of the shingles, and the paint, the stain, sort of soaks in. But if you already are dealing with a paint job, you're kind of stuck, and you have to paint it again because you're not going to be able to get it all off. But in terms of how much you take off, you really want to make sure you're taking off everything that's loose. And so, if you're scraping it and you're wire brushing it. Uh, and you're, you're loosening up as much as, as you can, that, that's all you can do because you, know, you can't put good paint over bad paint, so you have to get mm-hmm. the loose stuff off. And the next thing that I would recommend you do, which is really an important step, is to make sure you prime it and not just put another coat of paint on it, but because the primer is, think of it as the adhesive. It's the glue that makes the, ta- the paint stick. So you want to prime it properly, and then you put a paint on top of the primer. It will come out so much better and last a lot longer if you prime it. So you don't want to skip that step. I would not recommend the primer and paint one for this particular project. Uh, whatever brand you use, I would use a name brand. You know, I would use a, a Benjamin Moore or Sherwin-Williams. I would stick within their line for whatever primer they recommend with the particular uh, finish that you choose. And if you prime it and paint it, I think you can get a, a paint job that's going to last you, you know, hopefully uh, eight to ten years. Well, it used to be that hardwood floors were only available in very narrow widths, but today we are seeing lots of wide-width options, especially in the pre-finished hardwood floors. I've seen them in 5, 6, 7, or even 8 inches wide, and they really become more popular than ever because the wide widths make even smaller rooms look big. Yeah, and I mean, here's the trick, because you're using fewer planks, and that means less seams interrupting sort of that pattern. You know when a room is kind of small and you use a narrower plank and you just end up seeing so many lines and so many linear interruptions, that space feels busy, it feels more claustrophobic. But if you're going with a wider plank, I mean, that kind of spaces everything out more and makes everything feel a little bit larger and gives everything more breathing room. Plus, that wider plank gives you more of that beautiful natural grain pattern of the hardwood, and that really lets that flooring shine. So even if the space seems on the smaller side and you're thinking going with a wider plank might not seem the best, Ask if you can borrow a couple of boards and just put them down, try it out, and you'll see. It makes the space look huge. Yeah, great idea. Now, one thing to keep in mind, and that is that when you install this kind of floor, the National Wood Flooring Association requires that they be both nailed and glued. And it's important because it will eliminate creaking noises and nails loosening up and any gaps that form between the boards. So a little more difficult to install, but so worth it when you see how beautiful They make your home look, especially if you have smaller rooms. Helen in Arizona is on the line with a question about some bubbling paint. What is going on? I had my uh, the exterior of my home painted uh, last summer, and um, the painter had uh, power washed it. Came back in a a couple of days, a day or two, and actually did the painting. And it was about um, two months after that. I happen to notice little bubbles appearing under the the paint. 
and um, I I presume that's because there's water under that paint. Not necessarily. What you have is an adhesion issue, so the paint's not sticking to the wood siding or the substrate, whatever it is. This is a wood-sided house? Yeah, it's a manufactured home, yes. Okay. Do you know if your painter applied a primer or did he just put the top coat paint on? Uh, I'm trying to think if my paint did have primer in it. Well, it wouldn't have it in it. It would be a second coat. See, the right procedure would have been to scrape or pressure wash, as he did in this case, to get rid of the loose paint, algae or, or, or mildew and so on, let it dry. And then prime it, because primer is what is what makes the paint stick. Now, if he didn't prime it and the paint's separating after two months, that's a big problem. And it's a problem for your painter because he did something wrong. There's no way that paint should be failing after two months. I had it painted the fall prior, and, and the person did a terrible job. And so I decided to change colors and have it done again. The new painter, the guy who does, accepts the condition of the house. So if the if the first guy made any mistakes, then the, the second guy's job is to correct those mistakes so that his work looks good. But there was no bubbling after the first paint job. Okay, I, I heard you on that. But okay, no matter what was there before, you need to make sure that the house was not only cleaned and loose paint removed, but primed. Because at some point you're going to keep you can't keep putting layers upon layers of paint and expect everyone to stick to the one before it. Primer is the glue that makes the paint stick, and if you did not prime, I think that's probably a good reason that this paint is failing. Two days in warm weather should probably have been enough to you know deal with any moisture from the pressure washing. I mean, heck, it's not much more than just a heavy rainfall. So I think what you need to do is to is to contact that painter and have them back and have a discussion as to why your paint's failing after a short period of time. It absolutely should not be happening. Thanks for calling us, and wish you the best of luck with that project. Jeremy reached out to Team Money Pit and wants to know if not cleaning a bathroom can cause a leak. What? He says, we recently had a water leak from a shower on the second floor, leaking through the space between the tiles where the grout is missing. Our landlord is telling us that the grout deteriorated from a lack of cleaning, and we are <laughs> at fault and must pay for the damage. The house is a little over a year old. Cannot cleaning a bathroom cause this? Is there any credibility to him saying this? That is the craziest excuse I've ever heard in my life. i, I, I got to say... I agree. This has got to be about the dumbest excuse for a lazy landlord I've ever heard. This guy is is either has no idea what he's doing, uh, apparently. So the answer is absolutely no. Not cleaning a bathroom will not lead to a leak. However, not maintaining your grout and caulk will, which, of course, is the responsibility of your landlord. So tell your landlord to get busy fixing this as it is definitely 100% his job to get done. Now, usually these kinds of leaks occur when a section of grout is missing or if the seam was never grouted or caulked in the first place because what happens is when you take a shower, the water splashes off you and then runs down the walls until it finds these little gaps and then sort of drips into the wall space and leaks down to the space below. It's kind of tricky because sometimes if you just run the shower without you in it, most of that water hits like the drain area, so nothing ever happens. And then when you step in the shower, all of a sudden you got leaks, and that's why. It's bouncing off of you, getting on the walls, and then finding those little gaps. So to make sure the drain is not leaking, though, there is a little test you can do to prove it, and that is you can easily pour a few gallons of water down that drain directly without splashing 
on any walls. Just fill up a bucket with water and do that. That will prove it once and for all that it really is the grout between these tiles and nothing in the drain is causing this. And regardless, it is not your fault. I mean, that is amazing. And also, if the house is only a year old, either it wasn't done correctly or maybe just never done, period. Yeah, good point. Now I've got a question from Reggie who says, I recently purchased a home where part of the roof is not sloped enough for shingles and has roll roofing. My home inspector said it would only have a life of five to seven years. When it's time to redo, are there other roofing materials to consider that might have more longevity? I feel like roll roofing it lasts a lot longer than that, depending on which one you get. Yeah, no. Actually, I kind of agree with the home inspector. Roll roofing is the least expensive type of roofing. It goes on low slopes. And it's installed in such a way that it's only one sort of thickness. It overlaps like about three or four inches at the edge. And it typically doesn't last more than a few years. So I think your inspector is 100% right. And while a lot of factors can impact the life of a roof, having a low slope is definitely one of them. This kind of material... Uh, it's just not going to have the longevity of the more common asphalt roofs, which require at least a, a 312 pitch, which means it slopes downwards three inches over 12 inches. But these low-slope roofs that are one or two inches of pitch uh, definitely won't work. So a couple of options. Uh, one is called EPDM. It's ethylene polypropylene diene terapolymer. So just remember EPDM. Um, it's commonly referred to as rubber roofing, and it works really, really well. It's flexible. It handles the hot and the cold weather cycles, and it can last for decades. And the other is a type called modified bitumen. This is asphalt-based. It's less expensive than the EPDM, and it gives you a really good seal, but it sometimes won't last as long. So either way, when this roof does fail, I would go with a better, more, higher-quality option, uh, and this way you won't have to worry about leaks in the very near future. Yeah, I mean, you got to do it right. This way you're only doing it once, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, it's a beautiful weekend for projects, and we hope that you guys have gotten a few tips and ideas by listening to this episode of the program. This is about all the time we have, but remember, you can reach us 24-7 when you go to moneypit.com slash ask. Until we meet again, I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.